0: Do family devotions matter? Can it make your family stronger? Is it okay to have family devotions or should we have individual quiet times, prayer times, Bible times? Well, the answer is family devotions can really strengthen your family. So I have invited a friend and a guest on the program, Karen Whiting. She is an award-winning author and I know you're going to absolutely enjoy our conversation that will help you Have fun during your family devotions as you are strengthening your family and growing closer to the Lord. Stick around. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Hi, friends. This is Connie Albers, and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy, whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hi, friends, and we're back so glad you're with us, and I am so delighted to have Karen Whitting into the program today. Listen, we're going to be talking about family prayer. As as you know, here on the program, on the Equipped to Be program, we talk a lot about families. Our goal is to strengthen today's families, and there's multiple ways to do that. And this topic on prayer and family prayer and doing things as a family is critical to having the relationships that that we need to have with our kids to, to solidify those relationships as we turn the tassel and they move into the next slide, uh, season of life. But more importantly, that they learn the solid foundation of a biblical worldview and just who God is and, and what he means in their life. So I'd love for you to welcome Karen to the program. Karen, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Connie. Well, uh, we met, let's see, we met a couple years ago at the National Religious Broadcasters Conference, and it was a delightful conversation. It was one of those that we were going to follow up, and things happen. You know how, uh, just like everybody else, our lives, things happen, and we're sometimes we connect and then we can't connect. So I'm glad this worked out right now for us to be able to get together. Would you do us a favor, please, and tell us a little bit about you and your family and Why, you know, like, how did you get into writing? And what are you passionate about? I know there's a lot of (laughs) questions, isn't it?
1: (laughs) There's a lot. I have five children. Now I grew up in a little community up in Connecticut my family founded the state they founded that area and then I married someone in the Coast Guard (laughs) so we were moving all around and family wasn't this big extended thing family was so nuclear I really wanted to keep us bonded well no matter where we moved and help the children out and therefore I started on devotions with them and I realized after they grew up how important that was and praying together. My children have all done very well. Two
0: of them became rocket scientists. and Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Amazing. guess that's, that's pretty well. Yeah. Rocket scientists.
1: Yes, but they're all very kind yeah. and they all love one another. So that makes a difference. Not that it started out that way. I can remember the days that we had lots of sibling rivalry and fighting and bickering and hitting and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's funny. When you're in the middle of it, you think it's never going to end. And you also wonder, or at least I did, will they ever like each other? Will they? Will we turn the tassel and they'll be like, see yeah, I don't want anything to do with this family.
1: <laughs> and yes. it is
0: nice to be able to turn around and encourage uh, moms that are in the trenches that yeah, you're gonna try, you're gonna try some things and, and they might fail, they might not turn out the way you thought, they may not be as received, uh, your kids may not like it, but you're building something with a future goal in mind. And I, I love how you said they're kind, they like each other, they get along well, but as as you and I both know, that's that is a work in progress, like most things. So then continue on. Your husband was in the Coast Guard, you moved around, you have five babies. Yeah.
1: He would go out to sea sometimes for 60 days at a time. Wow. And I to keep him very much part of the family. So I did things like having him tape books that he would read to them and talk to them before and after reading that book. And then I would, t- I never could trust that how the mail would be when they're on a ship. Mm-hmm. I would put one with the tape, the recording in the mailbox every week for us to find. <laughs> and then when it was time for bed, I would turn on that tape and I would go to another room and listen to the recording as I'm hearing Jim's voice and the children were listening to it. It So calm them down. And it was so good when he would come back and it was bedtime. They said, oh, it's time for you to read to us. You read to us every night. Oh, that's a great (laughs) idea.
0: Oh, wow. What insight.
1: Yeah. So there were different things that you can do that really made a difference and an Mm -hmm. impact on children. And that was one of the things. And there were other things that I did that really helped them get along and not fight, not compare, not
0: quibber about different little things. (laughs) You mean short of like threatening their life, (laughs) (laughs) taking away every privilege that they have?
1: (laughs) Right. One thing that I did was uh, looking at the old testament an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in a very (laughs) different way because i said this is restitution so i would say to one you just kicked your sibling so that sibling is going to sit down their hurt their leg is hurting you're going to be their legs for the next 30 minutes (laughs) I'd put on a timer if they need anything, you're going to have to go get it. If they were supposed to do a chore that included standing up and moving, you have to do it. And that one happened to need to sweep the floor. So, and they at during the time said, Well, I want to drink, I want a snack. <laughs> and at the end of the All of night, a sudden, they became
0: very needy. <laughs> yeah, said,
1: I'm really sorry I ever kicked.
0: <laughs> hey, and, I love I love the creativity there. <laughs>
1: But that really, stop them from doing things because they realized that they did actually hurt. They did have a consequence that they didn't like, and that it wasn't worth what they had just done.
0: You know, we were talking before we went live, and I said one of the uh, I did a segment, and one of the things I talked about was when our children act up or act out, especially teens and tweens, little little children, elementary age children. There's, there's a different way of teaching and training them than, than when they hit the middle school and the high school years, because developmentally, they're changing. Hormonally, they're changing. Peers are entering the, the equation uh, on a grander scale with greater influence. And it was funny because uh, they were wanting to know, uh, I was being asked this question about, you know, what what is happening in our culture? What is happening with teenagers, they seem to be totally out of control. And I spoke with law enforcement. I spoke with teachers and educators. I spoke with people that would be on school campuses that were solely there to keep order. And so I just, I I asked many of them, like, what are you experiencing? What do you see happening? And you know, it's interesting, Karen, they were just saying that kids just aren't facing any consequences. So to hear you Uh, And you didn't know that part of, uh, I didn't share that with you off air, but children that have consequences to their actions, natural consequences. Like if you break the law, you're liable to, you're probably going to get tangled up with law enforcement, which is not a pleasant uh, thing to have your uh, middle school or your teens do, or, you know, get caught up in the school system of being identified as a bully or somebody who's trouble or things like that. So there are natural there are natural consequences, and in your case, the pain you know you hurt one of your siblings, and there's pain involved. And that pain is oh, you're going to be doing some chores, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be caring and looking after the one you hurt and harmed. And there's family consequences, and that's that was the analogy, kind of bringing it back to that's a perfect analogy of you know you said your kids learn to be kind, and and I'd love to know your thoughts on that learning to be kind. It's not just something that some children are born with, is it?
1: No, there are a few exceptions that seem to be born with it, but mostly we have to train them (laughs) and teach them. And, you know, when our children were little, I can remember Daniel was just a preschooler and we were making sandwiches for the homeless and he helped us with that. And he helped put stickers on all the baggies that were hearts that said, Jesus loves you and things like this so that. We had them doing things to help other people and joining in ministries that they could do that in. And that made a difference, too. But on the consequences, I would say that there was a time that two of my children got in trouble for breaking a school rule along with three other kids. And the principal thought, well, your kids are so smart. We're just going to forgive it. And I said, that's not very good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) think they need a consequence they said don't you have this event coming up i think they could be your um mules that haul everything for you that day or some other thing yeah they're strong they're big and they said okay and that one mother really complained about it and her son actually did not grow up to do very well but the others all did fine and was like yep yeah, we've got a consequence we understand it we broke the rule and that should make a difference but if I didn't feel that they should have gotten away for that with nothing either.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that I think that's a. I think it's fair to say we want to have um, consequences, but we do want to make sure the consequences fit the offense. I mean, we don't want to have our kids uh, be targeted towards you know more than what they actually did, like a reap a harsher consequence for that. But um, the fact that you know you said. I'm seeing more and more parents suffer from this syndrome called not my kid. You know, it's never my kid. My kid wouldn't do that. My kid didn't do that. But the reality is you're talking, you know, here's, there's, we, or there's two moms. We have 10 kids between us. Oh, uh, no, <laughs> your kid is capable. And and sometimes they're accused wrongly. I, 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 I'll say there were a couple times my kids were accused falsely. And, and you want to stand up and be the, you know, be the mama bear, but don't, don't be deceived into thinking my kid wouldn't do that. I I don't care how smart they are, how well off you are, how poor you are. I don't care about any, those factors are irrelevant. Children are children. (laughs) They're not fully formed and they don't always have a sound reasoning (laughs) and logic skills. So, okay, we digressed a bit. This is great, but I want to come back to your story um, because your kids grew up and you you traveled around, you were doing these devotions with the family. And I love how you integrated your husband, you kept him an integral part of the family so that when he came home, there wasn't this integrate, what is that called where they have to acclimate or integrate back into the family? Yes. You no, know, he was just there. I think that's brilliant.
1: Yes. Well, and that was important to me because I, wanted him to not feel like he was an outsider when he came home. And I wanted the kids to always feel his presence with them. And so we did different things for that. And I also felt it was important to pray. But I will say, at the point where I thought, all right, this is too much. There's too much squabbling. There's too much bickering. I said, what can I do, God? And God gave me a new way to pray together. And it changed and transformed everything for us. Mm. And that's what I call our powwow made it very simple that we pray over the worry and we worship over the wonders. And we would just sit at the table in a circle on the floor, wherever we were. And one person would just give one wonder that it happened in one word. The one thing they wanted prayer for one thing they were thankful for. And the person next to them said a one sentence, kept it really short prayer mm-hmm. two, pray over that worry and to worship, to give thanks over that wonder. And it was amazing how so quickly the children started saying, did God answer that prayer I said for you? Or I'm thankful that you did learn to ride the bike and that was your praise. I'm going to, you know, mom should take a picture of you on the bike and things like this. And they started caring so much more for one
0: another when we started doing this simple form of praying. Now, did you back when you did that? I love that powwow. Did you? Uh- kind of have that name? and Was that something that came to you later? It's like, oh, this is really what we did. And if you boil it down, we, we did pray over worry and we did worship over wonder. Did, did that, did you start with that or did that kind of come into that framework? Of- I started, no, I started with that. I wow. got this
1: idea that to do these simple sentences, and I was always big on acrostics anyways, and sat down, came up with it. And introduced it to my husband. When we had our, Jim and I would have a family praying plan that the two of us would talk about what was going on All
0: And then we introduced it to the children and it just really stuck. (laughs) I mean, I'm already excited. I, I, Thanksgiving, you know, we have these, we have holidays right around the corner and it's a great time where families will be getting together. And that's a great way to, to even introduce the idea, the concept. And so I see the ability of something like that to transform your family. Like you said, your kids start to realize, oh, you're for me. You're not against me. You're not just like my sibling who's trying to beat me at everything or make fun of me for everything. You're actually there when I'm hurting, but you're there when I'm celebrating. And that's an important piece too. There's another part of your story. And I know that isn't, I actually don't know as much about it other than uh, what I've been able to read, but uh, your kids grew, you your husband's in the Coast Guard, and God was giving you this this picture of what you were trying to build in your family and of children loving each other, being kind to each other, loving their mom and dad, loving the Lord. But then you lost your husband. Yes, to cancer. He had breast cancer. He had breast cancer. And that was that was many years ago, right? 11 years ago last week. So, yes, and the youngest was
1: in college at the time. Most of them were grown, and I had grandchildren who dearly loved their papa.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And one of the things that I did at that point was I never wanted them to regret that they didn't have time with him towards the end. We were told he had two to three months to live, but he lived two and a half years. God gave us a gift of time, and that was so nice. So we said, if anyone wants to come, just let us know we will pay for the fare, and we will pay for your trip here and so they came and they went and if there were times I needed to go somewhere to speak because I was already writing then one of them would come and be with Jim while I was gone if that was needed at the time and so that really helped out because they did want that time and there was a time at which I took Jim and we went to different houses to see them also and see the children and all of that was a very good post-time so that when he passed on, no one felt like they had a regret, that they didn't have that time to spend with him. And if they came, I wasn't hovering around them. If he, if they wanted time to be alone and speak with Dad, I wanted them to have that time also. So whatever they said uh, was between them. But I, I wanted that for them, and Jim wanted it too. We also had him record books for the children. The The grandchildren, so they would have that to listen to afterwards. So there were a lot of things that we did to continue on that bond. And the children also felt like they were helping out because they were there to help with what he needed. And there was one point at which I drove him to Florida. We were living in Maryland and left him with my daughter Rebecca, and my son Daniel was living with them while he was at college. And they really took care of him while I was gone for a couple of weeks. And they just really felt like that. Enabled them to have that time to really say goodbye and to really show their love for him.
0: The one thing that I I hear in our whole conversation is how intentional you have been, how intentional you have been to foster relationships and build bonds and trust and love and kindness. And hearing your intentionality of bringing kids to, to spend time with their papa, knowing that we know our days are numbered, but It's an it's quite different when your date when you feel like you actually do have a number and it's coming up We live a little differently but from what i've heard you say karen Yes, you were living your days intentionally, but it didn't just kick in when you were given a uh, A diagnosis. It was something that you were purposeful Throughout your entire. Um, I don't know about prior to marriage But certainly throughout your married life with raising children. Is that true?
1: Yes we were always very intentional which is why Jim and I, I had this pray and plan once a month that as long as he was in at home uh-huh. that we'd sit together look at our calendars and we I would circle in red his really tough days and he'd circle in red on his calendar my tough days mm. so we would be intentional about what happened if he came home and he knew it was a bad day for me. He just, you know, sometimes had flowers for me. Other times he'd just pick up, start vacuuming, clean up things and all because he knew it was a rough day. I would make his favorite meals. I would say things to the kids to have us do something special for him. So it, it started even there. And and we, because Jim made the point of saying, if we're to have our children honor us, we have to honor each other. And so if a child said something negative about me, he would say that woman I love and chose to be your mother <laughs> I don't want to hear you speak about her like that or to her like that and it made such a difference that they would not to be disrespectful it doesn't mean that they didn't laugh and talk about things that we did that were funny and that we didn't have those times of forgiving each other and and a child saying you hurt me when you said this mm. for me to forgive them but it was the disrespect he didn't want there and we didn't have that and we did not Speak bad, dish each other in front of our friends. Either yeah. that we should, that we should honor one another, and the respect starts with that. And that would teach the children respect. And so that was all intentional, and our intentional of doing devotions with them, of praying with them, and and doing many different ways of praying, not just the powwow. But that was a, a big anchor for us to do that once a week, among other ways that we prayed.
0: I mean you're a, a prolific writer. You've you've written you you've God has blessed you with the gift of words and many opportunities to impact. I I don't want to undershoot but I would certainly say tens of thousands if not millions of lives. And I love what you're saying and I think about when my boys were teenagers, it was more my boys because you know they were taller than me and if they didn't like something they they might get sassy and my husband would do similar to what Jim would do. He'd just walk in, he'd say, That's my wife. And you don't talk to her like that. I mean, it was just kind of like, that's it, the end. And they would they'd look at me and they'd look at him and be like, Okay, well, enough said. <laughs> I, I, I probably ought to just go about my business and go clean the bathroom or whatever it is. Um, well, Karen, I love uh I love your humbleness. I love your your intentionality with um, the people that you you speak with the people that you engage with the even the nature of our relationship it's 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 in its new state it's in its early stages but the gentleness that you have the intentionality that you have and, and you've had you've had a lot of uh, several books that you've written but one that just fits beautifully it's your newest one it fits beautifully into our conversation today and that is uh, 52 weekly devotions for family prayer I have obviously I am so delighted to have have a copy, and I'm holding it in my hands, just looking at it and it just makes me smile it just it makes my heart happy looking at it because it's it's very easy to follow, and it's very simple for a family that is already feeling stressed out and overwhelmed um they're trying to do everything possible to keep their families intact with everything pulling them apart. All major institutions are you know undermining parents and your gentle manner about, uh, doing this. It's, it's, you don't, you don't have to be loud. You don't have to be, you know, demanding. It's just what Jesus did. He, he draws us in. And so talk to us. Uh, we have a few minutes left. Uh, talk to us about the 52 weekly devotions. Where, how did you get this idea and how can parents integrate it into a very busy life?
1: Well, it is the third of a devotional series for families, so I already had some ideas, but I'm passionate about raising prayer warriors, so I really wanted to do this one, and it took a while to convince my publisher that this would be something very needed. I wanted to have it where children ask questions, okay? They ask questions about prayer, they ask questions about life, and I wanted every week to address a question that children ask about prayer whether it's what's the blessing or why does god take so long to answer my prayer or why didn't He answer it the way i wanted to and i had hands-on experiments and things to do to get into a conversation about it because i can't answer for god i don't know all of his answers of the wise but i can give them ideas and things to talk about and then i wanted a story that was a true story of a child might have changed the name sometimes combined two true stories because it was so good and I wanted to but these were stories of how prayer works the children could see that and then the bible story to reference and go read of how prayer works in the bible as well as some prompts because for me I had children ages 2 to 16 at one point when I'm doing devotions with them and prayer with them and they're at different conceptual ages of concrete thinking and abstract thinking and what we could talk about the prompt questions. I could, and my husband could, when we were doing it before I ever did this book, bring that up and talk with one in depth and talk with another very lightly of just introducing that topic and so all of that is in each week and it was a week because we can't always find time every day Mm. as a family especially when you start having teenagers and they're doing all these after school and evening activities but you can throughout the week and those prompt questions or even reading the story can be done by an older child while you're driving them somewhere and there's also so a thing in there to make a, a spiritual prayer journal that is like a scrapbook almost of what happened during that year as you were doing this. And maybe you do it over two years because it takes you that long. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. as long as you move forward on it. And so those are the types of things that I put in the book. And some of them bring out some, you know, an activity option on strength was, um, and, and talking about blessing, say, was even looking at what the Hebrew word is for blessing. What does that pictorially mean? That baruch is related to the word Berech for, for kneel. And so let's have you kneel down, children. We want to bless you now. And we'll do some other things to show you what a blessing is all about. But these types of things make it a very hands-on way of praying with your children and even the prayers i mean there's times where you've got young children go outside with bubbles have them say a praise to god and blow bubbles up into the air as though you're sending them up to god Uh, as well as things that are more quiet but a big round of types of ways to pray because children can get bored with certain things and they also need different activities and they need to realize that just as in the old testament God's people use their whole body as part of prayer. We can use our whole bodies, and we can do things actively as we are praying.
0: I love the idea of of doing the prayer journal. You can see answers and such. But the here again, I as as you were sitting there sharing, this is this is what I'm hearing. And listeners, I hope I hope you're hearing this too. Because when you're not hearing, you've got to do this every day in a certain way in a certain format. Karen is sitting here saying, no, no, no you change it up, you delight in the Lord. You, you use the things that you have and you you integrate it faithfully, but it's not ritualistic. It's changing up and, and I like how you even use the analogy of of the bubbles. When you said you have kids from 16 to 2, those journals would look different, those devotionals would look different. How would you incorporate all that when you have a, such a you know, age span in the family? Well, we did give them each a journal. We also had a family journal. And in that, the
1: little one could just scribble and note in their mind what they were doing. The older ones could write something, but they didn't ever have to show us what was in their journal. I, I don't know what they journaled about. I don't even know always what the prayer requests and answers they were that put in it. I know what I put in the family one and agreed with them. We would put that in the family one so right there you make it different but that means they can sit at the table if that's what you're doing that day as opposed to being outside and the one who just wants to scribble and all doesn't have to pay as much attention there's certain times at which you want to ask them questions and make sure they're paying attention like when you're giving them a scripture and you're mentioning that scripture and you want to say do you know what this word these words mean may the lord bless you and take care, good care of you from number 624 and they'll go God takes care of me. He gives me food. That's right. But with the older ones, you can go into it deeper. So what other types of blessings do you have? And that's where we could work together as a family. And it worked out well. And it's so important to do that too. And also to pay attention to what's their learning style, to what's their personality style, so that you can incorporate within a week different
0: styles for them as you're doing different parts of that week. Boy, that just touches on the whole whole child mindset, which I'm a huge proponent of because it's not what you say, it's what they hear. And if you don't know how they hear and how they process the world around them, then you could be saying something and they just, they don't even understand what you're saying. They can't comprehend because it's not how God made them. What a beautiful piece of advice there. Um, as we close out, Karen, just share with us like one story from the book that will really resonate with the readers. Do you have, do we have time to do that? Do you have something you could share? Sure, I I just turned to one story. So let me just read this because that
1: shows you how quick they are. Soccer bully busting. Michael fell down on the soccer field. A player of the opposing team had kicked him hard in the ankle. His dad carried him off the field. At the ER, the doctor said, it's a bad sprain, but nothing's broken. Stay off that foot for a week. Later, Michael told dad, I heard the other coach tell players to get me out. They hurt me on purpose. Let's pray that doesn't happen again, dad suggested. Michael prayed with dad. They asked God for wisdom against the bullies. The next time Michael played that team, he was prepared. He watched that team play and saw how players attacked opponents. One player ran toward him. Once he got close, Michael turned sideways as the player lifted his foot to kick. The player missed Michael and flopped onto his back. Later, two players ran toward him, and he stepped back just before they came close. The players rammed into one another and fell down. The coach of the opposing team yelled to the referees that Michael had tried to hurt his players. The line referee said he did nothing. In fact, he stepped out of the way to protect himself. It appeared that your players were aiming to hurt him. You better tell your players to play fair. I'll be watching.
0: Mm.
1: So that's one that had some prayer, but also had wisdom that God gave him during that time. And so it's it's very interesting because there are a lot of bullies out there and we need to be wise. But. Michael didn't have to touch or do anything except watch out of the corners of his eyes and move away from what was happening. But they had prayed about that. And Michael had known that this was intentional, but he forgave them. And that that didn't even fit into the story because when he prayed with his dad,
0: part of that was forgiving them for their doing that and forgiving the coach. Wow. Wow. I love the stories, and that was that was actually from the book we're talking about, fifty two weekly devotions for yes, family Yes, that was Pur- just one, and I mean some
1: are. I used to say some are. It, M- Michael was elementary age when that was happening, actually, and so some of them are a little bit older than, and some of them may do more like the uh, preschool age. I have one of a book bag theft when Michael's book bag was stolen while he was at youth group. They broke into the car and stole it, and we prayed for the contents and. My husband didn't have a job at that time. He was working some part-time things. He had just retired, and the job he had had just disappeared uh, because the person who was going to hire him died. And so we uh, went to a store and found that everything he needed except one particular book was on sale, calculators for like a, in a dollar bin. It was incredible what God gave us. I had $30 that I saved to have ice cream with the kids and take them out, and I had to use it for this. The kids were not upset about that. They knew Michael needed it, but we didn't couldn't replace the AP history book. And so my little one kept praying. Every he first said, "Michael, you can have any of my books." He says, <laughs> That's so "Sweet," but that doesn't help me. I need a very specific book. He says, "Well, God will give it to you." And every day at dinner, Daniel would pray and God bring back that book for Michael. <laughs> and after about two weeks, I'm calling one of the kids in my youth group program. And he said, hey, did Michael uh, throw out a book? And I said, nobody had one stolen. He says, oh, well, I may have it. I was going to the bus stop at the end of the driveway, and I picked up this big, heavy history
0: book, and it had Michael's name inside. <laughs> and it was the book. <laughs> and, Talk about so, strengthening the faith of the little one, his little brother who was praying.
1: Yeah, so we got it back. And, Daniel just goes, I told you God was going to
0: give it back to you because we prayed. <laughs> oh, so out of the mouth. of I love it. Oh, my goodness. Karen, that is a great way for us to wrap up this segment, the faithfulness of God and, this, and the innocence of children and the simple childlike faith if we just stop and pay attention and we keep pouring in. So as we're going to wrap up this segment, uh, listeners, as always, of everything How to Reach Karen in the show notes at ConnieOppers.com. So you'll go over there. I'll have where to get her books. She's got a lot of books and where you can get her books and where you can find her, where she'll be speaking. Um, She does have several new projects, uh, actually many new projects that she's working on. And so she's someone I would encourage you to get get her books and just follow and read along and, and connect with Karen. And, Karen, as we close out, I know you just gave a great story and a great illustration of the faithfulness of God. And so I want to close with saying thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your intentionality to say, to raise your children and to pay attention to what God was having you do along the way and making careful note and paying attention to those little things. So you're able now in this season of life, to continue to pour out and pour into others, because we know families are are in desperate need of hope, of help and guidance, and you are certainly, uh, God is using you in many ways. So thank you for coming on, equipped to be and being our guest today.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, Connie, and I certainly hope that these moms will also turn to God for whatever wisdom they need, because that's where my wisdom comes
0: from. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Karen. Folks, thank you for tuning in to Equip to Be. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, make sure you tell your friends about it and subscribe to the podcast. And um, thank you. We'll see you next time. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equip to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.